Hello and welcome to the Plebeian Power Hour with your hosts, Tiffer and Kim. Today we're going to be talking about the Olympics, so buckle up, do some stretching, and get ready for a ride. Yeah, so to start with, let's talk about the old Greek Olympics where it originated. I do have to say, my husband was like, what are you going to talk about? Like the modern or the ancient? And I was like, I didn't even know there was a difference. <laughs> I didn't even know there was a gap. So. There was a big gap. <laughs> there was a big gap. But the, like, the original Olympics, they say the first one they're estimating was in like 776 B.C. Mm-hmm. And... The last of the old ancient Olympics happened in... 393 A.D. Yeah. Yes. That is a long, long time <laughs> for these Olympics to be going on. I think it's going to outlast the modern era of Olympics. I can't imagine that we'll, we'll make it that long. A thousand years. But that, those original Olympics, they were called the Olympics because they were held in a place called Olympia. And one of the things that I thought was interesting is there was it wasn't just the Olympics. They actually had, like, three other locations that they did the same thing. Oh. And the, they just didn't make it. You know, they didn't the, last at They didn't last. Years. You know, I don't know if they had them, you know, if they lasted from the 776 to 390. I don't know. But they had held them uh, like every four years or every two years. And they happened in different places around Greece, which I think was one of the things, the Olympia is, I think, on the farther west side of Greece, and so, like, travel-wise, it might have favored certain city-states. Uh, so I think having them move around might have been a way to make it more favorable. But uh, the other thing with those games is that when they would have those games, it, it was a big event. Apparently, these city-states were always kind of warring with each other, but when they had these games, anybody who's participating uh, was kind of, it, it was just a truce. You know, you I think they had like something you would carry. Like if you're on your way to the Olympics, you kind of have something that would indicate, hey, I'm, I'm going to the Olympics, leave me alone, regardless of what, you know, the city-states were fighting. So I'll take one of those. Yeah. But they um, had a, bunch of different the big things were athletics which was mostly like racing but they had like chariot races wrestling a bunch of stuff like that and they did you know javelin long jump discus they did all those sort of things a lot of the record of the original olympics was lost you know like they had paper records and they still have like some fragments but most of it is gone so a lot it of would, the, it would be interesting to see what kind of records were broken back then. Yeah, <laughs> like if we're really and I don't even know if they kept like the uh, you know they didn't have stopwatches or anything. That's I don't true. I don't know you know they couldn't so they they, they could, had they names could do the of measurements people. for discus. Yeah, but I don't know if they would have been. But they didn't have running. Did oh they did. they did. They did In fact, running. the word stadium comes from an old race. Stayed was a unit of measurement, and so like a stadium oh or stadius was a race. So that's where stadium comes from. Was from these races in the Olympics. No, I just have the randomest thought right now. So I was I was gardening last night, and I just thought, isn't it interesting? You know, if we if we put ourselves in like old times, and at the time I was thinking of like gold rush times. You know, 
and just what people talked about. But I just had like this thought of like, oh, John, are you going to the stadium? So, <laughs> yes, yes, I'm going to the stadium. You know, <laughs> just how normal it is. So weird to us now. Well, it's so weird to me to think of a lot of the things because if you go back to like historically, like there's no like hotels or anything in Olympia. You don't you show bring up. Bring your own tent. Yeah, you just show up and camp out and mm-hmm. people. There are records of people saying, yeah, it, you know, like it's hot, it's stinky, there's flies everywhere. And you're naked because they also competed naked. The contestants, they say, competed naked. Ew, and they're stinky and sweaty and disgusting. And they would uh, cover themselves with olive oil before some of the events. I don't know if it was just like wrestling (laughs) or. (laughs) I need some good olive oil for the discus throw. (laughs) But but, uh, yeah, they would give them, the the winners would get like. wreaths made of you know uh like olive i don't know branches mm-hmm. and then at the different you know events the non-olympia olympics they had other ones like celery wreaths and oh, pine i do enjoy a good celery wreath <laughs> so yeah that that was i think it was mostly prestige you'd go for prestige and so that was one of the things i think they tried to carry over when they brought back the Olympics, it was supposed to be a prestige It thing. wasn't, and I have more information oh, on Oh, well, let's get into that. So first, I looked up the end of what ended the ancient Olympics, Olympics and the information is unclear, of course. Yeah. Well, they did say that because Greece was absorbed into the Roman Empire for a while, that it um, had to do with the Romans, that they didn't appreciate... Uh, the paganness of having these um, naked olive oil. <laughs> well, more like because they dedicated these things to like, to, like Zeus the Olympic or, gods. Yeah, yeah, to the Olympic gods, and and so I don't. Romans were Christians, and by 180 A.D., they're not under Roman rule anymore, and that didn't end until 393. So I. Not really sure any of that lines up, but that's the that's yeah. The only one of the thing things I that I saw was that it was like I don't I don't even remember the name, but it was a like a Christian emperor who said you know no more. Yeah. And I don't know how much truth there is to that, but yeah. it, it, they did say yeah these were like pagan mm-hmm. festivals, and the guy wanted to put an end to it or whatever. So now I'm going to tell you the birth of the modern Olympics. So there is a man in England, and his name is William Penny Brooks. And William Penny Brooks has an agricultural reading society that he, that he begins. And I am embarrassed to say I meant to write down the city, and it is not written here in my notes, but it started with a W. <laughs> <laughs> so he wants, he, he, ha- he wants to invigorate, you know, young men's minds. And so... But he, he starts this, this re- reading society, and then he realizes that they need a physical activity. And in my notes, I'm like, with clothes? <laughs> <laughs> I do believe that people were clothed. But he started something he called an Olympian class. And they would just have these, like, training sessions, and they would it was kind of to pay homage to this historical event that happened long ago. So in 1850... They um, hold a little event and invite people to come watch. And they have races and they have this and they have that. And every year, 
this town still holds this Olympics. But what happened is um, as things kind of grew, they started inviting other cities. And being like, hey, you guys have an Olympics and we'll have an Olympics and we'll and we'll have it together. And then and then people at the different cities would be like, hey, we'll pay you a little bit of money if you come here because it brings in all the people. And at the time, there was something called the Riot Act. Have you heard of the Riot Act? No. Well, this is England, so we're not as familiar. But it had been put in place in 1714 and was revised in 1750. And I'm going to read it to you. And it says, If any persons to the number of 12 or more unlawfully, riotously, and tumultuously assemble together to the disturbance of the public peace, and being required by any justice by proclamation in the king's name in the exact form of the Riot Act, then some numbers that state where, to disperse themselves and peaceably depart. Shall the number of 12 or more depart? Oops, I read that wrong. Shall the number of 12 or more unlawfully, riotously, and tumultuously remain or continue together for an hour after such proclamation shall be guilty of a felony? So I'm they, curious how the, what this has to do with that Olympics. This was allowed. They were allowed to have the Olympics and gather together in large groups. Gathering together in large groups was not something that they were allowed to do and be boisterous and be whatever, but this so was allowed. This so everybody would come and it became like a huge event. And so as this is going, um, William Penny Brooks meets a Frenchman by the name of Pierre de Coubertin. Okay. And Pierre says, hey, I'm really interested in this stuff that you're doing. This is fascinating. How do we keep going? And William Pennybrook says, you know, I, I just think that we should just even host one in Greece. Wouldn't that be fun? And this guy, Pierre de Coburton, was like, that would be. Let's get this started. So they have it set up. Um, they decide to do it. And they decide in, in 1894 that they're going to do it in 1896. But Brooks dies in 1895. So he doesn't even get to he see this to first see his... gigantic thing. So the person who is in charge is this Pierre de Coubertin. Because he's the one who's been working with William Penny Brooks this whole time. And, and I just thought that was fascinating. I did not realize this started out, this, this international event started out by some guy who's like these boys need some recreation <laughs> see and i like a part of me thinks that's all it was in ancient greece too was uh, yeah. like, we're not at war these boys these... are pestering everybody they need some that's recreation right. no. put them out we there can't let them run until they're tired <laughs> <laughs> it's true and another fascinating fact because i have multiple fascinating facts is that the women were allowed to complete in the very next Olympics. So there were no women in the first, but they were allowed in the 1900 Olympics. Yeah, in that 1896 one, uh, 14 different countries had people show up. But back then, they yeah. didn't care about the countries. This wasn't like now the countries mean so much and they yeah. got the medal counts by countries and everybody walked behind the flag. But the first one in 1896, the countries 
that like nobody cared. This wasn't, um, you know, go USA, which I don't even think USA. I think there was somebody from the USA in the first well, one. Really? But, but nobody cared. Like that wasn't what the Olympics was about. It was just let's get you know this athletic competition going and make the best man win sort of thing. And they actually had several events that had people participating in mixed countries. Mm-hmm. So people from different countries would compete together in events. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting about the uh, first one is, so, yeah, so in that first Olympics, somebody from the U.S. won the 100-meter dash, and it was with 12 seconds, which actually I thought was pretty good. I was expecting it to be slower because this was the first Olympics. I don't, maybe people were running all the time, but I don't think hundred <laughs> meter dash more than we do now <laughs> was, was a normal thing. Although there were like when they put this together, what they went out and did, they talked to a bunch of athletic organizations and were like, Hey, we want to do this. You know, and, and that's where I think a lot of the participation came from was mm. from these existing organizations that told their, you know, folks about it or whatever. But uh, the swimming one, they had three swimming events, and two of the events were won by the same guy. And he probably would have won all three, but they held them all on the same day, and he couldn't do them all. Like, he couldn't recover. So they did, like, a 100-meter, and then, like, a 500-meter, and then, like, a 1,200-meter or something. On that 1,200-meter, all they did was they, 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 in the Mediterranean Sea, they put a bunch of guys on the boat, Row them out and say, "All right, swim, swim to shore." <laughs> and the winner of the event, like when they were talking to him about his win, and he just basically said, "You know, my will to live completely overcame my desire to win." There were like four foot waves, oh, no. and he's swimming. It took him like eighteen minutes. He's swimming <laughs> oh, in the no. sea in these, you know, big old waves. Uh, they had pools. <laughs> I don't know if they did because. The next event in the 1900 Olympics, they swam in a river. And the next event, they swam in a lake. And it they was. should always have left a lake. <laughs> oh, the ocean. Yeah. It was, <laughs> they were just tougher back then. And, and then a lot of people competed in like different events. In that first uh, event, they had a wrestling competition. And the people that competed were also competing in other things. And in the finals... It was this weightlifter and this gymnast, and they're fight- going for like 40 minutes, and then it gets too dark, and they just call them, you know, like, all right, you guys got to pick it up tomorrow. <laughs> so they're just wrestling outside for 40 minutes until they can't see anymore, and then they <laughs> they can stop and pick it up in the morning. That's funny. I thought it was really amusing that, you know, the, the difference between the Olympics now and the Olympics then and the next ones were kind of weird too so the next one was 1900 in paris yeah and it was it happened at the same time as the world fair oh really and so they kind of mixed the two of them together and it's really weird because they had like all sorts of competitions some people didn't even realize it was the olympics because well, it's only the second time this yeah is and the... it's at the world's fair and they think it's just <laughs> It's a fun little event. Yeah. I think a, a U.S. lady won the, the women's golf one. 
She oh. didn't know. She died before she ever knew it was the Olympics. Somebody came and told her kids after the fact, like, oh, your mom won a gold medal in the Olympics. And they were, like, really surprised because they just thought they were out there well, <laughs> at the World's <laughs> Fair competing in, you know, this competition. To be fair, I mean, this started out as, like, yeah. villages. <laughs> like, this was just a fun event that they've just, like, took to something bigger, but that's that's funny yeah and that 1900 <laughs> one it was it happened over like five months yeah because it's the world fair so that you know it, it's just going on for five months and they had all sorts of uh, events they kind of went after the fact and decided what what counted as the olympics and what didn't oh, because weird. they had some really they had like auto racing kite flying oh, they had the kite flying events yeah <laughs> There was like pigeon racing. That sounds legit. It sounds. <laughs> and they also had like a like live pigeon shooting. Oh, that makes it harder to win the other one. Yeah, your pigeon <laughs> racing. Yeah, my my guy got shot the first. That's right. Run they, on foot. They won't chase you. There was right. like firefighting competitions. They had a bunch of weird wow. stuff. And and so then they go after the fact and okay, firefighting, that's not that wasn't an Olympic event. We're not gonna count that. But they had a lot of interesting events. Like they had a soccer and they only had three teams. Oh. Had three teams. Everybody had <laughs> It was really uh you know, they, they couldn't get as much. I mean, they had way more participation than, like, the 1896 one. Yeah. So the 1896, I think they had 280 total participants. And in the 1900 one, they had 1,200 or 997 is what, what they say the official one when they went and decided what oh. really counted and what didn't. So that one was really interesting to me that it was just... People didn't even realize this was the Olympics. They were showing up and just playing, you know, whatever was going on with the World's Fair, participating, and didn't even know. But they also had uh, some events that I thought would be kind of fun they to, to do now, like swimming obstacle courses where you'd, they, you'd have to swim, like, under boats and then climb over boats and swim. They, they would just have, like, these weird events that, you don't have anymore. It's just like you get to be a kid again for a day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I thought it was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Does sound fun. Yeah. And even the next one was 1904 also happened at a World's Fair, but it was wasn't it? supposed to. Oh. It was supposed to happen in Chicago. It ended up in St. Louis because St. Louis was having the World's Fair, and St. Louis essentially blackmailed the Olympics and said, well, we're going to have our own olympics if you don't join us and and you know nobody will go to your olympics so they they joined together but st oh, louis <laughs> humidity oh hot kind of reminds the, me of atlanta <laughs> in the marathon they, oh, no. i think they had uh, how many oh 32 people participated 18 of them dropped out 18 people, it, it was like 90 degrees, humid, humid. and they're all just on like the, these dirt roads, and like, most of the people the <laughs> dropped out. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of amusing, and, and somebody got caught cheating. 
taking a car for part of it. And he claimed, didn't even have air conditioning in the car. Yeah, there's no air conditioning, but at the same time, you know, you don't have to running. run for nine miles, so that helps. And he claimed uh, it was a joke. Yeah, like, oh, I was just messing around. I thought that was funny. That, that is funny. Uh, number one, most of the people dropped out, and then there were somebody jumped in a car, and I think it was about nine miles that they rode in the car. Well, I wonder who won that, other than the cheater. I wonder who legit won that. Well, so the other thing about the St. Louis ones, and this was kind of true, like in in the Paris ones in 1900, uh, most of the people that participated were French. And in the St. Louis one, most of the people who participated were Americans. You know, because like travel back then... Not like travel. That's why now. I was surprised when you said that there was an American at the first one. I was like, "That's a far way to go for yeah a unique village event that they just hosted somewhere else." Like that's yeah. It, I was kind of surprised too, but I I also think some of it might just be a, a lot of the people who were doing it were like college students and stuff like that, and it might have just been somebody who was already over there going to college and. Yeah, that's so, true. Oh, well, I'm here. I might as well participate in the Olympics. Because <laughs> I don't even know, like, they didn't have qualifiers. I don't even, I, I don't know if you just show up and you're you in. You just showed up. And they, or but if it, they were like, all right, prove that you can run. You know, I want to see your 100 meters before I let I you in. I guess I don't know that either. I, I have I no idea know. if they, if you, they just let anybody in or. Because in that first one, didn't they didn't allow, like, people who were really good. I mean, that was one of the things they said was, like, this is an amateur yeah, competition. But playing. I also wonder, like, who's a professional runner back then? Like, who, yeah, you're who's not getting make, paid? You're not making money because you don't have the Olympics or any of the trials. Yeah, the like, I don't know how, who was getting paid back then. But they did say with, with a lot of it, like, like, in some of those early Olympics, if you were a professional athlete of any kind, they didn't want oh, you participating. Yeah. So, I, like, I don't know what sort of professional sports may have existed back then but if you were a professional athlete you weren't invited to the olympics wow which was kind of true for a long time but and that would that would make sense because if they did have soccer they had professional soccer back then yeah yeah so then after the two world's fair ones things started to get more official one of the things that I thought was interesting was in the 1908 Olympics, they had a marathon. So the the distance for between you know marathon and Athens or whatever yes. the first marathon was something like 40 kilometers, which is not 26.2 miles. It's like 25. I miles. thought it was exactly 26.2. You, I thought that too, but in 1908 they made the official length of the marathon, and the reason it became, you know, 26.2, they initially had it like the 40 kilometers, the lower yeah. length, and the royal family was like, we want our kids to be able to watch the start of the race from the nursery, so we want to move the start of the race back like a mile. The royal family of where? Of England. It was in London. Oh. So the official 26.2-mile <sighs> length of the marathon is not the distance between <laughs> marathon. It's the 
It's the distance between. <laughs> it's as if you had to run to go tell the people that they were being invaded, and then you had to go by the nursery of the yeah. royalty. <laughs> and you had to go an extra mile <laughs> to go uh, parade in front of the royalty. Oh and so that goodness. became the official Why didn't they just length? move the stupid end line? So if the, they were gonna the end was ridiculous. happening at a, a stadium. So they wanted everybody oh at the stadium goodness. to be able to see the end. Oh so rather goodness. than change that, they changed <laughs> the starting location. So it's not an even number of anybody. It but was, I always thought it wasn't because it was from a city to a city. Oh, I thought that was forever. I thought that was why Marathon <laughs> was 26.2. I always thought that because that's such a weird number. It is. I, I don't think even in like kilometers. Well, in it, kilometers, it's 42.19 yeah. is what the 26.2 Which does. would make more sense if you're running from a city to a city. Yeah, like, like it, it's you not wouldn't exact. be, uh, you know, yeah. specific, but. They're saying, yeah, the actual length was like forty. So in the nineteen or the eighteen ninety six, I think they ran the the route. They ran the marathon to Athens route. Oh, and it was forty kilometers. But then in nineteen oh eight, instead of making it forty, they made it a little longer so that it could start. Oh, why wouldn't you move it back? Like, why would that be like? Well, now we have to have it this way. Like. <laughs> Why wouldn't you just be like, and then next year you're only doing the 24.85 miles? I, I don't know what the answer to that was because I kind of thought the same thing. So uh, yeah. I wasn't born then. I don't know. The other thing about that marathon is that the winner, when he got into the like stadium and he, he, he was like so fatigued and dehydrated that he fell down a bunch. So the officials came and like helped him up. So his last... Like 340 meters took him 10 minutes because he kept falling down. And then because he got help, they're like, yeah, you don't get a gold medal. So this guy runs the fastest and (laughs) And runs himself almost to death. And then they're like, somebody helped you. (laughs) You don't get a medal. I felt bad for that guy. Someone should have given him a Gatorade. (laughs) (laughs) They also had like a... In that 1908 Olympics, there was a 60-year-old gold medal winner. Ah. It was a shooting competition. Mm. Yeah, he didn't win the 100 meters, but he won a shooting competition called the Running Deer Shoot, where they take a target, put it 100 meters out, and then I don't I don't know how they did this. Like if they're just pulling it, but they'd move it, you know, left to right, and you're just seeing if you can hit the deer. That's fun. So he won, and he also participated later when, at the age of 72, he was participating in the Olympics. Kicking some butt. That's right. That's amazing. Well, they keep letting him in because he's got well, If you're going to win, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So as, a, as we went, I kind of went down individual athletes. Did I, you go into that? I looked that? at some because I, like, I looked at a whole bunch of things, and one of the things that I kind of wanted to see was like, all right, let you know, who won the most gold medals sort oh, of thing. And, okay. And who did, and. And I went down, like, personal people, like, or fascinating facts. I, I've got a few of those, but let, what what was one of your fascinating facts? So I have one that's sort of two, and also the second part has no information in it. 
But the first one, the fascinating fact, is that it was only from 1968 to 1988 that East and West Germany participated as separate countries. And then in 1992, they were back to one country again. So then I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm searching some stuff and I'm seeing North and South Korea. And I cannot, so this is the second part with no information, find any information about when they actually competed together or because there are many times where they marched into the stadium under the same flag. And they, and then it was like, oh, well, they had events where they would compete together, but all of the information is conflicting with each other. So some say it was first in Australia. Some say it was first in Seoul. Some say it was first. And I can't get, I couldn't get a verified information as to what Olympics they actually um, competed together. Together. So, and, so like in, after Oh, in like 50s? 2000. So oh, like wow. 2000 on Australia. Seoul, what was Seoul? 60s? I don't know. I, don't I thought Seoul was the 90s. Was Seoul the 90s? Oh, was I alive in, in, the, in that one? Could have been the 80s, but I thought it was the 90s. All I know is I was like, I've had enough. Like, I'm so burned out of searching what this answer is. <laughs> but that is the second potentially fascinating fact for you to look up on your own. <laughs> there were a couple of weird things with countries, because there was one, I think it was around the 70s, you had China and Taiwan, and there was an Olympics that was going on, I think it was in, in Canada, and Canada refused to recognize the Republic of China, which was Taiwan, they would only oh. recognize the People's Republic of China. China. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Taiwan said, you know, like, if you're not going to recognize us, we're not going to participate. And then I think China also said, well, we're not participating if you if you won't say that there's only one China. Like, if you acknowledge mm-hmm. that. So I think they both didn't participate because they were upset at the way the world was acknowledging or not acknowledging the existence of Taiwan. Yes, we had and the Americans. Americans, we also were a bit finicky in the eighties. We didn't go. Oh, that yeah, and, and that one. There were some interesting things around uh, that because there were two Olympics in a row that were pr- problematic. So in nineteen eighty, there was an Olympics in Moscow, mm-hmm. and that was and that's one the one that America did not that, go. That the U.S. boycotted, and while they boycotted it, they you know we're going to hold our own Olympics. And they held their own Liberty Bell Classic at the same time. And it was mostly, I think, just a track and field thing. And they invited, you know, a whole bunch of countries to participate. But, yeah, they boycotted the 1980 Moscow Olympics. They got 29 countries to participate in the non-Olympics. Yep. And what's weird, too, is so there were several alternate, you know, games. But that 1980... One was one of them. In 1984, was in L.A., and the USSR returned the favor, and we're not going, and we're going to have our own Olympics called the (laughs) Friendship Games. Oh. That's right. They sure stuck it to you. Yep. We're the nice friendship people, not like you. They do have that reputation. Not like your jerk games over there (laughs) in L.A. Liberty Bell jerks. So, yeah, there were, in 1980 and 84, the participation, oh, there it is right there, 1988 was Seoul. So Seoul was 1988. But in 1980, the participation was around 
5,100 athletes in 84, it was 6,800. And then in 88, when everybody was back to being more friendly, it jumped back up to 8,300 participants. That, well, you know, it was in Korea. And from what I understand, they did have some events in North and some in South, which I had not known. Yeah, I didn't realize that because I... Like, you know, my notes here say Seoul, and yep. I just assumed that this was a South Korea thing. But And it was, and and it was, the information was so confusing, and it was all over the place. I wonder if Kim Jong had, <laughs> just, just kidding. But it, I, so it was hard to get anything corroborated by anything else, but that is how they kind of went in and hosted it together in a way. And, um, but I truly, I didn't see any cities where it was in North Korea. I just know that they work together. And so maybe if they're working it out, maybe that the USSR and America could come together. Could come together. <laughs> I really, like, man, that might be a bigger story than even. I know. Because I didn't even realize that was, you know, like North Korea was involved. But if they did that, that could have been like a. A unifying, you know, yeah. hey, everybody, you know, the, the commies and the capitalists are coming <laughs> together. and High five. Another interesting one that happened even before that is a... Um, the 1936 Jesse Owens? Well, I was going to talk about an alternate to the Olympics. Oh. In 1963, a group of, they called it the, uh, well... The Games of the New Emerging Forces. Hmm. And it was a bunch of you know, oh, third no. world countries. So <laughs> these people that aren't involved in the USSR, USA, Cold War thing, we're going to start our own Olympics. And they invited a bunch of people to participate. And so they, they had uh, 2,700 athletes in 1963 Whoa. participate in the Games of New Emerging Forces. The and game it, it basically lasted that one time. They set up another one that was supposed to happen in four years, and it it, it didn't. died before. I think it got canceled, like, right at the last, you know, minute. But Or, or in, they actually held one in 1966, but no, nobody showed up. Like the dollar store version of the Olympics. Yeah, and then one other alternate that they tried was there was something called the Goodwill Games that was sponsored by Ted Turner, and, oh. and it was held in 1986, and it was also, you know, let's all be boycott. friendly and USSR, USA come together. It was very impressionable to Moscow because they then named their own games the Friendship Games. Yeah, so Goodwill, well, friendship. the Friendship Games happened, I think, first uh, before the Goodwill Games, Ted and the Goodwill Games the went on several times, and they bounced it back between. They they first held it in Moscow, then Seattle, then St. Petersburg, then New York, and then it kind of petered out and fell apart. But, yeah, I thought that was interesting how many attempts there were to have the alternate to the Olympics. Yeah. Well, I'm going to jump here and tell a little bit about a person. The, the Jesse Owens? No, but that is how I segue there. Yeah. <laughs> So I was looking up Jesse Owens, 1936 Olympics, Germany. Yeah, there are some high tensions between America and Germany, and Germany is hosting the Olympics. Between Germany, not just America and Germany, between Germany and everybody, everybody around else, Germany. Except for a country or two <laughs> that they'd punched into submission. But 
Jesse Owens was African American or black or whatever preferred preferred way of of describing him. He won four gold medals in front of Hitler, who was very much into the pure white race, and that was like a a huge win yeah. <laughs> for for the world. So that's Jesse one of those Owens, like you know stories that they tell you. Yeah, national up, pride. Like, this was a big yeah. thing. Is you got Jesse Owens coming in, you know, representing the U.S., and you got you know Hitler who is saying you know the Germans are superior to everybody. We're the uh-huh. best race everybody in the world. Everybody except Jesse Owens. And Jesse Owens comes in and and kind of dominates. <laughs> Four most of gold his medals. He did, and I watched some, and he has great form, and so. When you watch people run from long ago, there's a part of you that's like, is this the camera or is this really <laughs> how people ran? And he, uh, they kind of tend to run from their stomachs. I don't know if you ever observed or if you looked up no, any videos. No, in fact, it's very hard to picture to what that stomachs. means. Well, right now, people run from their limbs. Like, from they, they got their limbs yeah. going and, you know, your your arms are up and your legs are up. That back then it was more of a twist in the torso, like it was a, uh, it wasn't so much the limbs; it was more centered, and it was weird. Jesse Owens ain't running that way. He's he's running in a way that looks more like current day running. Okay, so he's doing a you know. I just say it's probably job. like wasted energy. Doing yes, that for sure, and probably because you know people were just more formal back then, and and maybe it had to do with better posture. I'm making stuff up. I'm pulling stuff out right now. <laughs> but I didn't stay on him very long because I found out about a lady named William, Wilma Rudolph. And I was just like pulled into her story. And I have like so much information on her story. So Wilma Rudolph was born in 1940. So she's, I mean, they're not at the same Olympics, but for some reason they're in the same story. And so that's where I found her. She was born premature at four and a half pounds in St. Bethlehem, Tennessee. She was the 20th of 22 children. Whoa. Yes. Her father. That's got to be an Olympic record. Like, <laughs> I don't know that there's an Olympics for that, but. <sighs> Her father had been married two times, and between both marriages, there were 22 children. And an American, so she then gets polio. And she loses the functionality of her left leg. And then she gets scarlet fever. I don't know which order those came in, but she doesn't have enough strength in her left leg. So she has to wear a leg brace until she's 12 years old. Okay? Remember these ages because this is important. So there wasn't any good care nearby her. So her mother would take her on a 50-mile bus ride every week for therapy. So it's not like she's going every day. She's going, you know, once a week. And she had to wear an orthopedic shoe after she was 12 until she was 14. Remember these dates. Okay. So in high school, she joins the basketball and track team. Oh, wait. She's not even in high school yet. I've skipped ahead. At 14. Tennessee State invites her to join their summer track training because she's so fast. So 
So she joins. She just got out of her orthopedic uh, shoe. She just got out of her orthopedic shoe. She was in a leg brace till she was 12. (laughs) And at 14, Tennessee State's like, yeah, come here. So in high school, she joined the basketball and track teams. And she broke the record for points scored with 803 in her sophomore year. Uh Uh-huh. And they call her Skeeter because she was fast as a mosquito. And so they call her, she was so fast and she couldn't, nobody could catch her. So they call her Skeeter. Then at the age of 16, she attends the 1950 Olympic trials and her team wins bronze in the relay. Okay. So she's on the relay team at 16. She just got out of her freaking leg brace at 12. (laughs) Wears an orthopedic shoe till she's 14. So then when she's a senior in high school, which is 1958, she gets pregnant. And she has a daughter named Yolanda. And a few weeks after she has her daughter, she joins college at Tennessee State and joins their track team. (laughs) Then in 1960... (laughs) Just when she has had her kid two years before this, she won gold in the women's 100 meter, setting a world record at 11 seconds flat. Then she runs the 200 meter, kicks everyone's butt, and wins it in 24 seconds. And See, those then, are like crazy times. Oh, flat. Those are it's not even 24.01. It is 24 flat. She is winning these in flat and then she wins her third gold medal by participating i believe it's the last runner in the four by 100 relay and i was just like oh my gosh like it's weird because the first thing i think is like there's a little bit of a forrest gump vibe to this you know you get out of your uh brace and the all of a sudden you're like the Mm. best runner he was probably made a little bit with her inspiration because she so she's one of her famous quotes is my doctor told me i would never walk again my mother told me i would i believed my mother but i was like holy cow yeah and that's insane you know one of the things that went like the in in that 1896 olympics that first the first medal for the 100 meters the guy ran it was 12 seconds Whoa. And, and, you know, now Usain Bolt, who, I don't know if anybody will beat him. I, I wouldn't be surprised. But Maybe one like, day. Whenever I picture running, I can't I can't picture anybody running faster than him. Because just the way he looks, the way, like his stride, his legs, like he, oh, yeah. he's so fast. Like, I think his fastest is like 9.6 or something. But, yeah, be- beating 10 seconds didn't happen for a long time. And 11 seconds, 11 seconds is She was the first American to win three gold medals in track and field at a single Olympics. I was just like, I, so I have to tell you, since I went down this as an individual person research project, I'm like sobbing. I'm like so <laughs> proud to be an American. Like it was the most interesting emotional roller coaster to go down because you just can't help but be so proud. Yeah. Like, I mean. Which not- is like one of the reasons that I wanted to talk about the Olympics is because it feels like an uplifting yeah. event. And I thought, 
you know, like a lot of the stuff we talked about, there's a lot of, I don't know, cynicism and pessimism. To... We're, pretty, we're pretty good at being snarky. Yeah. I'm not very good at this national pride, cry my eyes out while my kids are watching business. Yeah. And, and like those sort of stories, like it's pretty. Oh, and there's so many. There's a lot of them. And yeah. even the ones, you know, like one of the, like Michael Phelps, he, mm-hmm. like I think he had 28 medals. Whoa. This guy, and he, oh, I think it's over like four Olympics or something. Because there's like a billion things. Because there's swim. a billion swimming ones, uh-huh. which is also something that just amuses me to no end. Because like you look at running, and they're like, "All right, we're gonna have a hundred meter race," and they go, "All right, there's one hundred meter race," and then you go to swimming, and they're like, "All right, hundred meter race, freestyle, hundred meter race, butterfly, butterfly, hundred meter," <laughs> and, and they they end up there's like six different 100-meter yeah. events. They should do that with running. They should they be like 100-meter 100, 100 butterfly where you have to just like slap your arms I know. I was kind of wondering like what it would be because they do have, there's something Skipping. called the race walk and it's the speed oh, walking yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the, the fact that that's an Olympic event is kind of mind-blowing. Like you could run faster, but we're not going to let you. And then they have a mind category where you have to pretend like you're going downstairs and you're going upstairs and like you're hiking, but you're really walking flat. <laughs> they should. I don't know why they don't. I think people would watch it. I really wonder. So in 2024, there's going to be a breakdancing one. I totally. Which when I think like it sounded really amusing to me. And then I think of some of the other things like the synchronized swimming and the yeah. a lot of the like rhythmic gymnastics sort of things and i think all right break dancing like isn't as ridiculous I as i as i initially was thinking it was i'll probably like the break dancing and, and speaking of the synchronized swimming <laughs> for three olympics there was a solo synchronized swimming event you can't do that oh is it like your right arm and your left arm synchronized with each other you can't do like it's one really just like the rhythmic gymnastics it's just like just go in there and do something to you know, try and make it kind of cool looking i guess You've got your um, violinist out on the side. <laughs> I just, and I think that's what it was called, was solo synchronized swimming. Wow. Maybe it's synchronized to the music. See, that, that yeah. makes Not more sense. Not with each other Because so when I first saw this, I just thought, that, that's ridiculous. Because mm-hmm. I did indeed think it was to each other until that very second that I said that. Yeah. So maybe it's synchronized to the music. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they think I still so think it's ridiculous. <laughs> They're like, you fools. But he, was... like synchronized swimming, I, I understand that that's a very hard thing and it's amazing. Oh, yeah. But it seems so silly to me because, like, most of your body's like underwater. You oh, can't no. even Have see. Have you seen underneath it? Because they show underneath it. Now. I've seen some videos. It like... is. I am like, that is athleticism at its finest. Oh, like, for sure. Like, holding their breath and moving their hands and like they're upside down and their legs are all going together. And I'm like, you have to count that. You can't hear that. Once your head is above water and it goes underwater, the sound travels differently, which means you can't be spot on unless you have practiced so well. Cause that slight change of just putting your head under it's gonna <laughs> changes change all of the music. And they have, you know, big old things over their ears. Maybe they have their own music pumping and that's how they can do it. But, they Still. might do that now, yeah. but like not back then. What, back, you know, these events have been around for a long time. Yeah, it was ugh, just kind of amazing all the all the different events. Though, oh, there's you, some other goofy ones that uh, yes. I thought. Oh yay! <laughs> one of them. So, so 
one that's going to be around flag football. They're going to bring that in 2028. That should be illegal. So flag football will be <laughs> no, one. No, unless you're playing and you're eight years old, you should not play flag football. It it really seems like a very interesting choice, but I'd also think like it could be. It, it seems like one of those that would be fun for the for local the town ladies? Olympics. Uh, no, I, no I think it's a. It might be for both because they they've really uh, been trying to have you know like the equal events you know. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a men's and a women's one, but it's not. I they they tried American football for one of the Olympics, and oh, I, I mean remember. the problem with that is there's there's only one country really that plays. One and a half. Canada has a team. That's right, Canadian <laughs> football. But yeah, they in they also had a pistol dueling in 1908, where they give them like these wax bullets put them in protective gear <laughs> and then have pistol duels oh my gosh that's essentially paintball i know Let's i do thought it. they should do that again <laughs> like bring that back i would rather watch paintball than some of the other events it's like in the winter olympics they have the curling curling we all knew what i was gonna say before i even oh, yeah. said it as soon yeah. as you say winter, <laughs> like, oh yeah curling i even is... prefer the cross-country shooting one over curling yeah. And I'm like, you have to wait forever for them to get to their next station. You're like, that's all right. At least it's not curling. <laughs> curling is, and what's funny, like, I think curling would be fun. Like, it, it seems a lot too. like bowling. But it seems kind of ridiculous to, like, if you were to put bowling in the Olympics, which I, maybe I they have. has been. It wouldn't mm-hmm. surprise me if that was in the Olympics at one point. Yeah. Because one of the things with the Olympics is, like, it, everybody who hosts it gets to put, like, a demonstration sport in. Yeah. And so you, they can oh, just put whatever. Oh, is that why the United States had a, the football? Yeah. And so and and some of them stick around, you know. So I think they had like judo and something. Yeah. Well, and, they, and then, all right, let's make let's judo an official event. And that makes sense to me. And that, Except I, for the judging and scoring on that. I sit there and I'm like, I, I don't understand. Oh, there's a lot of it that I don't understand. Yeah. Like, to me, Olympic boxing is the worst boxing there is like because the way they score it 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 does like it it favors speed so like a hit doesn't matter whether or not you really hit somebody so if you hit somebody super hard it counts the same as if you barely touch them so the fights are not this isn't like a traditional boxing thing well let's see if you can knock the other guy down this is really just two guys that are just trying to Get as many, many glove in. hits in as they can. And so it doesn't seem we like have, a normal boxing match. We have the technology now. They should wear sensor suits. And yeah. then you can gauge it based on intensity of punch. And then you could actually <laughs> see, because, uh, you know, like traditional boxing is generally judged, you know, whoever falls down the most, you know, they lose. Loses. But Olympic boxing, like nobody falls down. Huh. That is too bad. But I watched, so I think it was judo in um, the last Olympics, and there was a lady, and and she won. And I thought, I don't even know how that happened. <laughs> like, the round started, something happened, and there she wins the gold. You know, I, and I'm I like, think the same I thing with, like, know. fencing. Oh, I watch yeah. fencing in the way, like, it just happens so fast that, like, it, it's hard to see the skill in it. Yeah. It really just looks like you just flail your arms as fast as you can. Which is and... what I would do and I may win. Yeah, you mm-hmm. might win. 
Because I can't tell the difference between a good fencer and a bad fencer. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, well, no. Aside from this one Who's got the gold medal away? and this one didn't. <laughs> that's so that's the good one. And, uh, yeah. I don't even know who scored till they put up the light and they go, oh, this is the guy who scored. Okay. Because both the people, they just start moving toward each other and then they flurry their uh, saber or whatever it's called. Then, then they stop. Then they give one of them a point. But, yeah, there's been a couple others. They they had a, in 1936, they had a gliding competition. Oh, no, you're you're reading that one above. Oh, you're so reading that the one. race walking, we already No, kind no, of... the one above that. Oh, Korfball? Yes, I have been patiently waiting for you to get to Korfball. <laughs> so, so <laughs> Korfball, it actually, I watched the video just because, like, the name sounds so up. goofy. It's so when hilarious. I saw it, I was like, all right, what is... What is this korfball? <laughs> it's kind of similar to basketball, but like the way oh. that they designed it was like this. It was supposed to be this equitable sport, and so it's played with men and women is play it kind together. Of like Harry Potter's Quidditch. It it might be like kind of like Quidditch, because what they have is like they have. It, it's a very similar to basketball, and they have like a pole that sticks up, and they have a hoop. There's no backboard. Is it like Quidditch hoops? Like, is it like a circle at the top, or does it lean over like a basketball hoop? So it's flat like a basketball Um, hoop, uh, but there's no backboard or anything, so the only way to get it in, but it's very similar to basketball, only there's like no dribbling, no, you know, you just have to pass it, and there's so many weird rules that are meant to like stop people from having advantages, so they don't want tall people to just have an advantage, so you're not allowed to shoot if somebody is like close to you and guarding, so you can't just sit by, because then you're guarded. So you have oh, to run around to get the space uh, so that tall people don't have an advantage. Uh, men and women play together, but they make it so that uh, like women guard the women, men guard the men and sort of things so that no, they don't have an advantage. They have all these weird things that, you know, they have like two sides. Well, when you're an attacker, you play. Once you score two points, you switch sides with the defenders and they become the attackers and you're the defender. So they, it, it's an interesting one. But the name itself, Korfball, I thought was kind of, that's what drew me into, like, I wonder what Korfball oh is. Oh, my gosh. That's what I was seeing. I saw it in your notes, and I was like, I can't wait till he gets to Korfball. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm like, we need to bring this back. And we need to have a, a one single stand-up hoop, like, in in the, the ga- game that I've already said, in Quidditch. Where it just stands up and is a circle, and then and whoever and whoever gets it in gets a point, and then we'll put it right in the center. Oh my gosh, you guys look! We just invented a game, trademark pending, patent pending, patent pending, trademark. <laughs> uh, but the, but that gliding one, yeah. In 1936, they would take these people, put them on gliders, that you know, so no engine planes, just gliders. They would launch them up into the air, and then you would just see how long you could stay up in the air. And people would go for oh, for no. hours. But the problem with the sport in general is people got so good that they could stay up for days and somebody fell asleep oh, <laughs> while they were up there. That's not funny. So <laughs> it made it for one Olympics. And then I think somebody died in 1936. So he oh, got goodness. one Olympics before it was pulled out. Other than the death, it feels a lot like paper airplanes. It is a lot like paper airplanes. Well, I thought it was kind of like the like the luge sort of thing is like it seems kind of a silly thing, but apparently 
the people who are good at it. Yeah. But it really, like, the luge just looked like sledding. And yep. the gliding just like, yeah, you're just sitting on the glider just waiting for it to land. <laughs> but apparently there's a lot of skill to it. Well, if you watch that one about the Jamaican bobsled team, you learn there's a lot of skill involved. You can be bad at it. You can and be bad at it. And I'll bet. The skills. <laughs> it looks really like you're just sledding. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I Ooh, believe them that there's a lot of skill to it. I believe them too. Because I... People crash out, and so there yeah. must be some ability to not have skill. I mean, they put it in the Olympics. I feel like if there's yeah. no skill and you put it in the Olympics. But when you're in the winter, it's kind of hard to, I mean, you can have some indoor stuff, but it's kind of hard to yeah. find a lot of outdoor action. And the other thing with the, uh, the Winter Olympics is because, the, like, all the mountains are different, a lot of the stuff is, like, when you have the 100-meter dash, you can look and say, well, this guy did the 100-meter dash in, you know, 10 seconds, and this guy did it in 9.9, and you can compare from Olympics to Olympics. But in the all the skiing sort of events, like, you can't, this guy got a minute and a half. Well, that oh, only counts for terrain. that course. It's true, however. So you can't, <clears throat> you know, compare between Olympics and be like, oh, yeah, this guy was better than this guy. You might be right, but, I mean, if someone's running the marathon in St. Louis yeah, in the middle of the different. summer, it is a little different than and, if you're running And there's different else. hills and different And different whatever. just elevations. Yep. Because, yeah. So it's true. It, it I think it factors in both ways, but I can see how it more so does in the winter. Yeah. Okay, I have some more fascinating information. This is a short one. And it is about Nadia Comaneci. Comaneci. I looked up how to say it, and they're like, they didn't pronounce it that way. They just said Nadia. (sighs) When you say it, I'm like, yeah, that was it. So she was a gymnast from Romania, and she competed in Montreal in 1976. And she, I mean, at this time, Romania is a communist country. So remember that. So she was born in 1961. And in 1976, at the age of 14, she competes in Montreal and is the first gymnast to receive a perfect score of 10. And at the same game, she won six more perfect 10s. Yeah, that is I was like, I knew that she'd done amazing. I knew she was good. I didn't know she did that. But then she defected from Romania in 1989 Right before the Germany, the wall fell in Germany. I was going to say, right before Romania mm-hmm. became independent. Uh-huh. And so she defected. She now lives in the United States. And, but I just thought that was fascinating to have six, oh, so seven total, seven total perfect tens in the Montreal Olympics. She must have been so happy. And she's 14. Yeah, that's so ridiculous. <laughs> So, uh, so in a, a similar vein to, you know, the Romania-USSR thing, there was a um, an event called, the, oh, what was it called? The Blood in the Water is what they called it. In 1956, Hungary played the USSR in water polo. But earlier, so that was in Australia, so it's the summer games, but it's actually held in December because it's in Australia. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So earlier in the year... In 1956, Hungary tried to revolt against the USSR. Oh, no. And it was put down. But all that news, you know, 
lot of these players that were playing on the water polo didn't really know till they get to Australia, and then they're told about it, and then they're playing the USSR in <laughs> water polo, and they were forced to learn Russian in school, so they knew they just started taunting the Russians. They're like swimming under and like pulling oh, down their feet. <laughs> yeah, it turned into they they called they, the match early oh, because sure. somebody, they're right next to each other. Somebody got um, like a bloody eye from getting punched. There were several punches thrown, but Hungary was up for nothing. There was a couple minutes left, and they called the match. The crowd, which was very anti-USSR, it had a lot of, like, Hungarian people who had defected and were living in Austria. Oh. So this was the, – the crowd was jumping up and ready to come in after the Russians. So they called the police in, called the match or whatever. But it, I thought it was interesting the the tension – you know, like that would have been pretty bad when your country is trying to, you know, revolt against the Soviets and then you find out while you're at the Olympics that that happened <laughs> and then you play against the Soviets. Nasty. So that one was uh, an interesting one. And they, they said there really wasn't that much blood in the water, but they call it the blood in the water match because it was just, they were just fighting each other, punching each other, kicking each other. That's fascinating. So speaking of blood in the water, here comes another personal story from one of, not my own, from, from the Olympics. <clears throat> Greg Louganis. Greg Louganis. Have I you heard of Greg Louganis? I, I had heard of Greg Louganis. But the reason I went searching about him is because I'm watching this video and he does a dive and he hits his head on the diving board. And I was like, and then he goes and wins gold in his next dive. And I was like, I need to learn more about this. <laughs> so he's born in 1960. He wins gold at the 1984-1988 Olympic Games, right? So here's his background. His teenage biological parents placed him for adoption at eight months old. And then he's adopted by Greek parents, which is why his last name is Luganus, and he doesn't look like a Greek person. He's, they put him in dance classes at 18 months old. 18 months old. He took acrobatics, gymnastics, and by the age of three, he was in competition. This is in the 60s. I'm like, I don't even, do people do this with their sons in the 60s? Like, what? Then he's, of course, diagnosed with asthma and several food allergies. And I think, yep. This has all the makings of a of a Olympian. So he took trampolining at nine. It's like his parents were like, you know, I'd like you to be a diver. So let's like slowly build you up to this. And he began he began diving after that, after his parents got a pool. So he's diving at his house in his backyard in his pool. And at 16 years old, and I shouldn't be this surprised because they're all this young except for the one guy that shoots the target. Yeah, and except for that 16 year that guy. target shooter. <laughs> and he takes part in the 1976 Olympic trials in Montreal. And he plays second. But four years later, in the 1980 Olympics, he was expected to do great things. But that's when America boycotted the Moscow Olympics. But don't stress, because he and 461 athletes won a congressional gold medal from the government many years later to compensate. <laughs> in all of 
the world champions he went to. He was the best. He was the first diver to ever get a perfect 10 from all seven judges. So this guy is amazing, right? Just amazing. And I watched his second dive after, and I'm like, I don't even know diving. And I do think that was amazing. (laughs) He did a really good job. And in the 1988 Olympics in Seoul, he hits his head on the diving board. Yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. Mid-dive, it just kind of comes down and it's in the back. And he ended up with a concussion. And But he continued diving it. But he hit it so hard that he ripped out a chunk of his hair. So he has a bald spot on his head because he hit the board so hard. And um, But he just goes on. And he had such difficult dives that even after kerplopping in the water, which wasn't a terrible kerplop after he bonks his head, he wins. He gets a high enough score due to difficulty of his dives that he wins the silver medalist Tiang Ni by 1.4, no, 1.14 points. But there is controversy with this man that I didn't know until I'm hitting this point in my research. He is controversial because six months before the 1988 Olympic Games, he was diagnosed with HIV and he didn't tell anybody. So he didn't even come out that he had HIV until 1995. So everyone is like, uh, you bled in that water. (laughs) You had people fixing your head. Like, you didn't tell anybody that you had HIV. And at the time, I mean, in the 80s, HIV was considered just a death sentence. You were eventually going to die. Nobody knew as much about it then as they they do now. now. They didn't have the medications. They didn't, they did have entry. He was on antivirals when he was antiretrovirals. So when he went to the game, so they did have something, but you know, people were so upset that he hadn't told anybody and that he was essentially putting people at risk because again, not as much was known, but I'm going to read this part. Um, After Luganus came out publicly HIV positive in 1995, people in and out of the international diving community began to question Luganus' decision not to disclose his HIV status. So it talked about how the reason he didn't is because he was paralyzed with fear that he would infect another competitor or the doctor who treated him, so he didn't tell anyone because he was so scared. Um, But ultimately, no one was infected because... And I quote, oh, no, I don't quote yet. Because the skin is an effective barrier to HIV, it would have to be through an open wound. And now I quote, if the virus touches the skin, it is unheard of for it to cause infection. The skin has no receptors to bind HIV, explained the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Dr. Anthony Fauci. (laughs) I was like, that's so funny. So he said it at the time. It was Dr. Anthony Fauci who was, you know, calming everyone down in 1995 that anyone who was exposed needed to have an open wound or they would not have actually been in contact and that the chlorine in the water would have killed the HIV. So you are safe in the water with proper chlorination levels. So, and they were. So, and nobody got, nobody got it. (laughs) It It was a big thing to everybody for 
quite a while about him. He kind of got quite the the black mark on him after that. Yeah. And one last one that I wanted to bring up was another one that I remember was the Dream Team. Oh, I remember the Dream Team. So historically, the Olympics said, yeah, this is for amateur athletes. But other countries were sending professional people all the time. So other countries had, like, professional basketball leagues, and they would send their professional basketball players into the Olympics. But the United States never did. They would send college players. Yeah. So then in 1992, they kind of reversed that decision, and they allow, you know, professional athletes. So the United States takes its, you know, best players from the NBA, so Michael Jordan and, you know, Carmelo and Charles Barkley, and they got, you know, all the best, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, John Stockton. They take all these professional players send them you know to the olympics to play so first of all basketball was you know invented in the u.s and was most popular in the u.s mm-hmm. the u.s already i think was you know had a history of doing really well in the olympics but they didn't win recently because they were going up against other teams professional teams yeah so they when they put this team together they went in they won each game by an average of 43 points. <laughs> That's because the other people cheated first. So now they had to change the rules, and, and, and they got clobbered. And, yeah, so when, when they did that, and it was just amazing because people from the other teams were just more amazed that they're playing with these people. Like some of Aww. them, they'd be, they're playing with Michael Jordan, they're their and they're just trying to get next to him and get somebody <laughs> on the bench to get a picture of them <laughs> next to Michael Jordan. <laughs> We got our butts kicked by Michael Jordan. Exactly. <laughs> Which would be kind of an honor. And, and Michael Jordan really was like the biggest oh, yeah. sports star in the world at mm-hmm. the time. He probably, in I mean, since this isn't a very big popular sport in other countries, he was probably one of the reasons that they like the sport. And, yeah. and definitely if you're into the sport, you know your international players better. And so... Yeah, I bet that was cool. I know that if my kids played against some soccer against some of the international stars now, they'd they be like, do the same get a picture of me. <laughs> Look at me. Right. Uh, they're losing by, you know, however many points, but they're still just happy that they're playing against. Oh, my goodness. They'd be so thrilled. But my last one is Grant Hackett in 2000. He was in the Sydney Olympics, and he's Australian, and so they're in Australia, so it's his home country. And he won the 1,500-meter swimming with a partially collapsed lung. Whoa. I know. And I just, you know, as you go through and you see all of these stories and you realize just how much effort it takes to um, just do this in the first place, but also to practice and to... You know, all this stuff that people have really given up to become good at something. It's just kind of, it's just kind of fun. You mix the talent with the um, drive and you can get some really fun things. Anything else that you want to talk about? No, I think that'll probably do it. I mean, the one that I was going to bring up was the Miracle on Ice, 1980 USSR-USA hockey match. And the USSR 
<laughs> had won six previous gold medals in wow. the Olympics. And then oh, in, this is the 80s. Yeah, and Wait, this was 1980 cause... in the Winter Olympics. So in nine, in the 90s, they switched it so that the Winter Olympics and the Summer Olympics weren't in the same year. Oh, but prior to that, they were in the same then? year. I did not realize that. I thought they were in separate years a long time before Yeah, that. so this was before the Moscow Olympics. Ah, so this is in like and, February, yep. and then they're having summer later. And so the the U.S. ended up boycotting the Summer Olympics in Moscow, ah. but in the Winter Olympics. So there's already the Cold War tension. Mm-hmm. I don't know when the boycott for the Olympics happened, but I think people were bringing it up before it happened. I, it it might have already been on the table during this, but the U.S. has a its um, amateur, you know, college athletes there were like four semi-pro players that had played minor league hockey before uh-huh. uh, but it's mostly and and the ussr has its professional hockey no. players but in that match the <laughs> usa goes up four three with like 10 minutes left and they hold it off until you know the end and that was not in the gold medal match that was in the um the first medal match to see who goes to the gold medal match. Mm. So the USA, you know, won. They kicked them out. And knocked, yep, knocked the USSR out to bronze. Oh. So (laughs) they've made like two movies about it and it's a big, it's a big story. Like it was a big deal for the US. Well, I remember like Mighty Ducks where they're kind of making uh, a type of version of this, but for kids. So I don't have any, of course, memories from actual. See, and I don't, Olympics. you know, 1980 Winter Olympics, I don't remember it at no. all. But, like, this story was just one that they would get told a lot of, nice. you know, go USA. Ah, oh, so, the Olympics. Yeah, that was all I had. It was nice and light and fun and a very uh, ironically emotional roller coaster for me. I know. I just forgot that lady's name, Wilma something or other uh forest gump lady which is probably Wilma not a nice Rudolph. thing to say forest gump lady no only in the inspirational port of the inspiration in part he of loses forest. his braces and then runs yeah <sighs> that is the only connection made to wilma rudolph <laughs> but she's i think she died in 1994 so she won't be offended she will she will understand what she never mean. got to see forest gump oh did she not? Was I don't know. Not around? I think it came out right around then. Maybe, yeah. Well, anyway, she was it's just incredible. And so many people are, and not just in the Olympics. So many, there are so many people who, you know, experience difficult things and then rise above and then go above and beyond. But it's just so fun to sort of focus on, on a few. Yep. It was fun to go down those avenues. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yep. Have a good day. See you. Bye.